It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to a special episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Many of you saw the news over the weekend, so that's August 6th and 7th timeframe, 2022, that Senate Democrats passed the Inflation Reduction Act over the weekend. This is landmark. It is a super huge deal. And we're going to get into the details of this in the show today. We prioritize creating this episode immediately because timing is critical on this legislation. And it's very important also that we understand how it fits into our businesses, our workforce, and the outdoor recreation community at large. And who better to invite on as our guide to the Inflation Act and what it means to our businesses in Outdoor Rec than Adam Kramer, who is the CEO of the Outdoor Alliance. Welcome to the show, Adam. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the IRA, can you share a little bit about yourself and the incredible organization that you lead, the Outdoor Alliance? Yeah, certainly. So I live in Montgomery County, just across the D.C. line with uh, my wife and a couple of kids. Uh, I've got a son in high school and a daughter in junior high. I'm originally from New York, but ended up in D.C. for work uh, after law school, moved down to D.C. in the late 90s, was attracted to D.C. being a big, diverse city with a good music scene, and I found out that it's probably one of the best whitewater cities in the world, and I got pretty deep into the whitewater scene here in D.C., and had this really interesting like, dual existence of like working at a big corporate law firm, doing environmental law during the day, and uh, you know hitting the falls on the weekends and heading out to West Virginia, exploring Appalachia. And these two worlds were like totally separate until they weren't. And I was uh, on a trip, on a river trip, and one of the guys on the trip worked at American Whitewater. And uh, he's like, hey, Kramer, you're a lawyer, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's kind of bracing for what's next. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but what he said, he's like, we, we need some help renegotiating a hydropower permit on the upper Yakigany River out in Western Maryland. And I, I don't know anything about hydropower permits, but I, I did know that I love this river. It was super important to me, super important to the community. So I didn't know anything about it. They didn't have a lawyer. I said, yeah, I'll help out. And that was, that was the fork in the road. Is from that, I ended up on the border of American Whitewater, started doing some conservation work for them for access fund eventually ended up being the CEO of Outdoor Alliance. Awesome. I won't call you Kramer in the episode, but I really want to. Um, <laughs> that's a you great can. story, though. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this. I mean, when was that, actually? What was like the time frame when you actually stepped into uh, your position yeah, to kind of more of the outdoor recreation community? So I started uh, Outdoor Alliance. It was a coalition at the time. It was like 2006, 2007. And I thought I was going to be their lawyer. They okay. retained me. And um, so I started um, you know, working with them as a coalition and seeing if this experiment would even work um, and found out that it, it did and uh, decided to, to work together to build out the organization, make it an organization. And uh, that was in 2014. So I left 
left the law firm and and uh, they invited me to to lead the organization, which I've been doing ever since. That's awesome. So again, we have a lot to get in here today on the Inflation Act, but I would love for you to also just give us a summary of, you know, when you joined the Outdoor Alliance and what the organization is today. Wow. I mean, it's been a life's <laughs> it's been it's been a life's work. But the basic premise is that we're made up of 10 national uh, member organizations, all oriented around a certain type of human-powered outdoor pursuit. So like backcountry skiing, kayaking, mountain biking, climbing. So organizations that everybody's heard about, like American Whitewater, the Access Fund, International Mountain Bicycling Association, Surfride Foundation. And these organizations have been doing stellar work over the years. And they know what they're doing. They know how to mobilize their community. And they do it tremendously effectively. And the premise of Outdoor Alliance is that all these organizations, all these communities have got a lot in common. And to the extent that they could collaborate, they could work on stuff as a, as a collective that they couldn't work on by themselves. And that collective could have tremendous beneficial impact for conservation in the United States. Awesome. So that sounds way more fulfilling than your, than your job before that river trip, if I can just insert my opinion. So we're very grateful that you're there and in that position. Um, and I think we've just had uh, an incredible turning point in your career with this with the Inflation Act. So I would love to have you fill in our audience on just the landmark nature of what just happened with this legislation. And we're going to get into a lot of um, details and action steps, but tell us just about the overarching like legislation itself, how we got to this point and what it is. Yeah, you you um you nailed it. Is is definitely the most significant thing I think I've ever been involved with, it, and especially the organization and the whole team. It's it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, let's go into the details of, of the legislation. But I think starting with like how we got here would provide some more context. And I think the a good place to start is Paris back in in 2015. Uh, there was an agreement uh, to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions to uh, to net zero um, by the middle of of the century, right? And a goal, like a mile marker, was to get to fifty percent reduction by the year twenty thirty, and that's relative to two thousand five levels. So pretty ambitious, okay, mm -hmm. and pretty exciting too, right? There's been a lot of hand wringing, a lot of efforts to address climate change. It's not anything that one country could do, but Everybody got together and said, we're going to do this. Former President Trump, as you might remember, pulled out of Paris. Uh, that was a downer. But President Biden, he dealt us back in on his first day of office. And then soon after that, the House of Representatives worked up and passed the Build Back Better Act late last year. It was a huge move. Tons of social benefit. They addressed like, everything from like prescription drugs, childcare, pre-K, if you recall. And they also went big on climate. And the exciting thing about the Build Back Better Act that came out of the House was that it was going to nail the mile marker set out by the Paris Accord, a 50% reduction by 2030. And they were going to throw down a ton of money. I think it was like $555 billion on the climate. So audacious, ambitious. Um, and, you know, we were pretty stoked. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, as everybody knows, Something passes one chamber, goes to the next, heads over to the Senate. Senate, things are a little tighter, right? It's a 50-50 Senate, 50 uh, folks at caucuses with the Democrats, 50 with Republicans. 
And at the time, all eyes were on Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, and some on, on Senator Sinema from, from Arizona, more centrist Democrats, got some concerns about, you know, uh, federal budgets, and um, but the stakes are super high. And then before too long, things just blew up, right? And it was it was pretty depressing. And talks were off, and we're not going anywhere. And all the progress we made in the House would just seem like, ah, how are we going to get any place? Um, but within a couple months, you started seeing little signs that things are kind of getting back on track, right? So Senator Manchin's talking to Senator Schumer. They're thinking about what are we going to do? How are we going to make this work? You know, the, the whole thing blew up before. Can we pick up some of the pieces? And our hope within Outdoor Alliance and the broader outdoor community is that we hope one of those pieces is climate, right? Hope that one of these pieces is uh, moving forward on climate. Things slowly moving forward. We're engaging with the entire Senate. We're engaging with the House of Representatives. Every opportunity we have, we're working it. And it's slowly building. And, you know, is it going to work? At the time, probably not, but it could. And because it could, we were committed. We had to do a moral obligation to try to make this happen. And then things are moving. And in July, the whole thing blows up again. In mid-July, like two weeks ago. Wow. And I'll tell you, Kristen, it was like, it was devastating. It was devastating for me and for my staff. It was like the lowest that we've been professionally, I think, I think ever. Mm. And then the next day, you hear these these new news reports where Senator Manchin's like, well, I, I, we're going to wait for inflation numbers from July. I'm still committed to climate. And it was a super interesting time where a lot of people were like, this is terrible. Um, it's never going to happen. Senator Manchin blew it up. And then others like, hey, take it easy. It, you know, it might happen. We're threading a needle, but it could possibly happen. And we were in that latter camp. We're like, until it's dead, you know, we're, we're just going to keep at it. And within a couple of weeks, uh, we see this press release from Senator Manchin's office about the Inflation Reduction Act. Something from Manchin and Schumer. We're like, what are you talking about? What is, what is this thing? We're scrolling through it and they're talking about climate, We're like inflation, climate, prescription drugs. Like, wait a second. <laughs> like, it's here. And what they did was they dialed, dialed the money back a little bit. So they allocated about almost $370 billion to fight climate, which is about two-thirds of, of the original Build Back Better number. And the target to get 50% by 2030 under under uh, the, the IRA, we'll get to 40% by 2030. So not all the way there, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. So, There's a lot ahead there for us, for sure. So much more to do. I mean, it's a giant step forward. Uh, it's not going to solve everything. Uh, but taking that step, it hadn't been taken like ever. Explain when you say we don't give up until it's over. What Tell us specifically about the work that your team is doing on behalf of, of, you know, climate and coupling climate change with conservation, specifically around this bill? Because I feel like that's a really important thing for our, our audience to understand because you're working with these organizations that have really, really passionate communities that are out there recreating and seeing the change that's happening in our absolute, you know, prized places that we go and, and truly feed ourselves, you know? Yeah. That's a good question, uh, Kristen. I think 
you know, narratives drive policy, right? Mm-hmm. Policy just doesn't fall out of the sky. And when you make decisions and legislation's passed, it's got to be for a reason. Uh, elected officials are accountable to their constituents. It's got to make sense uh, back, back in the congressional district, back in the state. And you also, it's helpful when you're trying to save the world to kind of have a long game, right? Mm-hmm. And to be patient. And one of the, you know, of course, we did a lot of the conventional uh, advocacy and education work. But I think the thing that's underpinned it for us as a community and for Outdoor Alliance is um, investing in this narrative and coupling climate with conservation work, which wasn't always the case. Uh, And, you know, in very early days of Outdoor Alliance, we realized that, you know, if the climate, if it's not, if it doesn't get back on track, there isn't going to be an outdoors. There aren't going to be any places to protect. And just having the, you know, traditional focus on protective designations without spending as much time and attention to think about the climate that enables all these places that we want to protect uh, to be resilient uh, would be an enormous mistake. So we started thinking about climate in very personal terms. We realized that um, you know, we, have, we could vouch for climate change uh, as a community directly. And one of our very early uh, meetings on the Hill, we had uh, uh, this, this guy, Forrest McCarthy, was uh, the um, the uh, policy director over at Winter Wildlands. And we're sitting in, in the House Natural Resources meeting. And Forrest has been to Antarctica. And he's been all around the world. He's like, you know, you're talking about indicator species. We're, we're indicator activities. You know, I love it. We could actually talk about this stuff. We know that the glaciers are melting. We know the impacts of, of uh, forest fire and reduction of, of water flow. And that seemed to resonate with the folks um, on the Hill. And, um, you know, by coupling this idea with our, our interests and our objectives as a community, we've just been telling this story for a really, really long time and looking for any opportunity that we have to advance these objectives. Whether it's you know the Biden administration's effort uh, through Thirty by Thirty, Conservatives Restore America the Beautiful, Build Back Better initiative at the House, uh, we were engaged you know ten years ago with um, you know the Cap and Trade initiative, which passed the House but didn't go anywhere in the Senate. So it's making it relevant to people at scale. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Faraday Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022, right before the Sea Otter Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a a very special consumer event and to have this right before it is huge. We're going to share all the details on the 2023 summit in a very uh, near-term episode here and watch, uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint, but I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. And I have to ask, what was the mood on the team when when you actually got that release and saw it in there and then when the Senate actually passed it? 
Can you, because I got this um, announcement on Sunday. We obviously have worked together very recently, our teams, which was a great experience. But, you know, getting that on Sunday, I was like, okay, this must be a big deal. I, I immediately pinged you to try and get this interview set up. So we got together a couple of days later. But tell me about what that was like for you and also your peers that, you know, a lot of the businesses who tune into this podcast support. Yeah, at first, when we got the uh, the press release from Mansion's office, it was disbelief and like confusion. Like, what was he even talking about? And then once we filled it back, we're like, this is actually going to happen. <laughs> like, they came to an agreement, and the agreement, um, you know, there are pluses and minuses, but on on balance, it's it's pretty good. And we looked at the numbers and um, started, you know, getting access to the summaries and the bill text. We realized this is this is going to happen, and then we started thinking. You know, what does Senator Cinema think about this? And it was a little bit of a nail biter, but she came around, endorsed it. She had a couple of changes to make, but nothing on in terms of the substance of the climate provisions. So we're pretty confident that it was going to get through the Senate. Um, it's a priority of of the, of the caucus, and um, we were delighted. That's great, and morale immediately was boosted. <laughs> I know we yeah. have a big road ahead, so like. Just having this, you know, be where it is. You feel, as we were talking before we hit record, you feel confident that this is going to make it to President Biden's desk in like a few days, it sounds like. And what I would love to have you spend some time with the audience on today and is where do we go from here? And what does it look like to be good corporate citizens supporting something this important and honestly operating during a time when something like this is passed? There's a responsibility that goes with that. And I think all of us are excited to, to support it and step up. Yeah, I think there's a lot to do, but let's, I want to talk a little bit about like what's in it, right? Okay. What are the, yeah. some oh, of the yeah. particulars? Like, Thank why is it like, much, why Adam. is it such a big deal? So <laughs> my apologies. You know, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's so easy to get distracted because you're like, oh my God, this is, this is going to happen. But you know, the big driver for for um, the the IRA is this collection of a um, mosaic, really, of, of clean energy tax credits. Okay, so for carbon capture, capture and sequestration, renewable energy, electric vehicles, and the kind of list goes on. So it leverages you know the market economy that we have. It creates tax incentives to change behavior that reduce emissions, and it's you know a strategy that the United States has been you know pursuing. For quite a long time. And there are a lot of good things in this legislation, which is about $60 billion to drive investments to disadvantaged communities. Um, and it's split up in a lot of different categories. It's $3 billion for environmental justice block grants, about $3 billion to reduce pollution around ports. And there's even um, a national green bank in there as well. There's some positive developments on leasing uh, reform for oil and gas, right? The source of these emissions to begin with, and oil and gas leasing on public lands. The uh, IRA is going to make it more expensive, more difficult. Royalties are going to go up for doing oil and gas projects. They're no longer going to be non-competitive leasing. There's going to be a fee, a stout fee on on, uh, on methane flaring, which is going to be fantastic development. There's also pretty decent investment in public land strategies to deal with, with climate. About $2 billion to the Forest Service to deal with uh, hazardous fuel reduction, $50 million to... Uh, Develop an old growth inventory and figure out how to manage it. Got seven hundred million dollars for private forestry, for forestry for the Forest Legacy Program, which is going to help 
uh, you know, privately held forest and, you know, forest service has got a lot of land, but like there's a ton of private land out there. So making sure that there's a good strategy to leverage private forests is going to be uh, critical. Um, oh, uh, one, one and a half billion dollars on planting trees in urban areas, which is going to be good. And uh, close to $3 billion to NOAA for coastal conservation. Um, just like numbers add up. It's a big deal. And I think as good as all those things are, there's some unfortunate things that are part of the part of the puzzle as well. You know, two million acres of oil and gas leasing is going to be required as a condition precedent to do renewable energy. And it seems like a lot of acres, and it is, but just to put it into a little bit of context, there's more than two million acres leased every year of the Obama administration for a number of years, more like five million acres a year. And you know, the other thing to keep in mind is the impact of oil and gas leasing. It's not fair. It's not equitable. It's not like there's oil and gas leasing in every zip code in the United States. It's concentrated in some communities more than others. And there's a disproportionate impact on disadvantaged communities and communities of color. But you got to keep in mind, a lease is not a project. And there's a lot of steps that got to happen between from leasing someplace to, you know, putting in an, an oil well. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities moving forward to tighten these things up at the regulatory level. So when these projects do go forward, they're more uh, a bit more precise than they have been in the past and a little safer for, for the communities. And talking about you know, equity, it's good to point out that like tax credits, they work really, really well, but they're not really fair either, right? You got to have taxable income. Right. And a lot of Americans don't have a lot of taxable income and can't take direct advantage of a lot of these benefits. And from my perspective, my organization's perspective, more direct investment would have been better. But, you know, when you take a step back, you keep the goal in mind, right? Which is a 50% reduction by 2030. That's the goal. That's what the house was aspiring towards. That's what keeps us on track for Paris. We're 40% at least, probably a little more. So it's a giant step in the right direction. And could we have gotten there in a different way, a more equitable way? Sure. But getting this close to the goal, you know, take it. Right. That's awesome. Any more that you want to share on that? I don't want to interrupt you, but like you, I thought you did a really good job, like explaining very important, you know, broad strokes with dollars attached to them. And um, I also really love, like, there's so many pieces to this. Like, I think you told me in our rehearsal, 755 pages or something. <laughs> Obviously, like, we don't want to, we don't want to go into that. We'll have every all the links that you would um, ever want to look at, including to you know summaries and different articles and whatnot, and also the Outdoor Alliance and, and their website and all you can do uh, to help support this going forward. But um, I think overall, it's a, it's a giant step ahead, and I think it almost sounds like you're a little caught off guard by it, but it seems to me like it changes the trajectory of the conversation during such a divisive time. And maybe that's where the surprise came from, right? It was such a roller coaster coming into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And But, you know, I think in our community, we, you know, go on missions. You try to get something done. It's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to stick your line, but you try it anyway. Mm-hmm. And there was a possibility. And although I didn't, I don't think anybody really thought it was going to work out, but enough people thought it was worth trying that if the stars did line up, it was going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, if you asked me six months ago, do I think it's going to happen? I'm like, 
probably not, but that doesn't mean you don't try. Right. You know, and I think that, you know, looking ahead, you know, I'm reminded of uh, this TED talk from, from the skateboarder, Rodney Mullen, right. And, and skateboarding is super important to me. I mean, that was, that was the fork in the road. They took me to the outdoors. It's something I, I still do. And, and he was talking about uh, when, when Mike McGill first figured out how to land the McTwist. And this is when, you know, bird skating was way more important than, than street skating. But you'd leave the ramp and you'd spin 540 degrees and then, and then land a trick. And before McGill figured that out, like, it, it, like nobody was doing it. And then after he did it, after he figured out how to do the trick, all the other skaters started, started you know, doing it. And he, what Mullen was able to explain is there's a big difference between doing something, right, and showing that something can be done. And what this right. build does, right? This is like Mike McGill landing the McTwist, right? It's going to lay the groundwork for other actors, other legislators, other action by the administration to, to continue down this road. Like we could do it, right? We demonstrated we could take major action on climate. And since we can do it, it means we could do it again. And that's what's so hopeful for me. And it also creates opportunities for the entire outdoor community, you know, the user community, the business community, because we've just getting started, right? There's some nascent momentum there and it's our job to lean into it, to build on that momentum, to add to the narrative that this is essential. It's essential for for the planet, of course, but it's also essential for business interests as well if you're in the outdoor business world. Mm-hmm. And are you able to describe um, some of the path ahead for our business community who's tuning in today? And obviously, we'll have resources in the show notes. But you you have now explained, I think, the direction. And, and I'd love to hear more about how business leaders can understand how to support it and maybe lead their teams to support it. I think it's important to say this isn't something that we're talking about to add to your cause marketing in your business. <laughs> this is like about doing the right thing. And as you've said several times, it's for the planet. It's obviously going to better um, us as business leaders uh, to stand up for it and do something about it. So, but a lot of, believe it or not, I know it's funny that I said that, but a lot of leaders are, um, it's a pretty terrifying time to be in business, selling petroleum-based products, you know, wanting to do the right thing, but then they're worried that they might not do it the right way and get called out for it. So I want to just take all of that and put it aside. This is really about, you know, internal leadership. It's about company culture and and like kind of the spirit of what you do within your brand. It's not, I'm not bringing this up as a marketing executive. (laughs) So knowing that lens, let's talk about what business leaders can do. So, you know, when like you stick a line and your friends see you stick that line Mm -hmm. and it feels so good to stick it and it feels that much better when you're when your friends are like that was awesome right right so like senators are the same way lawmakers are the same way the senate passed this it didn't have to happen and everybody's got two senators okay some of them voted for it just enough some of them voted against it but checking in with your senators and saying good job thank you they voted for it and to say you know what I'm disappointed that you didn't vote for it, but there's more things to be done. I'm glad we're moving forward on this. So giving some acknowledgement to the Senate and everybody's uniquely positioned to do that because everybody lives in a state. Everybody is a constituent 
of a senator or two senators, actually, and you've got standing, tell them what you think and compliment them for the work that they've done and encourage them to keep it up. So that's one thing to do, like no matter what happens. And then this thing looks like it's going to be passed in the House, which is going to be wonderful, but it hasn't passed yet. You're getting in touch with your congressperson and saying, hey, it's a big deal. I expect you to vote yes on this. It's important to me as a human being. It's important for the planet. There's a lot of good stuff in here. It's going to be important for my business. Please represent our interests. Vote yes on this. You know, that's something that everybody as part of our community is empowered to do. I love that. And they can go to the Outdoor Alliance website and learn exactly how to do that. That's right. We've got, um, we did our best. The team kind of sifted through the like, it's like 750 pages. Still's <laughs> <laughs> huge. But we pulled out the stuff that was the most relevant to our community to help people understand uh, what it's all about. And there's a, a way to uh, send a message to um, to your elected official. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, and you know, customized messages, things that are personalized, they, they they tend to work really well. So put a little bit about of yourself in there and about your business, and um, you should feel good about it. So we're humanizing the support and doing this. And I just also want to say what you're doing and the work that you're leading. I mean, uh, we have people who are from a lot of different sectors of outdoor recreation who listen to this podcast, um, whether you are tied to whitewater, whether you're climbing, whether you're mountain biking, snow sports, you are represented by the Outdoor Alliance. So number one, I just want to make sure people are clear that it, it go to the website and learn more about what the Outdoor Alliance does. And then there are great resources there for you. And there's a lot of work that's been done. I mean, before we hit record, we talked a little bit about how do we highlight that. It's it's very nuanced work. A lot of it's thankless, uh, lots of relationships, but you're you're there and you're on and you're on the front lines fighting. Um, and so I love that, you know, you exist to kind of bring all of those voices together of our consumer, our users. That's who's in your community. It's a very broad and powerful community. And it's full of people who see the climate change and how it's affecting how they play um, on a day-to-day basis. So I just want to put that out there too, because it's a very unique organization that you lead. Thanks for saying that. It's, um, you know, we try to acknowledge and embrace the love and affection that the community has for place. And we, given that people love the outdoors and love the communities of which they're a part, um, we try to leverage that that love and affection for political action and to make things a little better, you know, for your own self-interest, but also for the, you know, larger world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the work that we do is like, you know, we sift through, we pay attention to what's going on, figure out what's the most important. What are things where we could actually make a difference on? We educate the community. So this is what's happening and this is how you can make a difference. And, it's not unlike, I know you, you said we're on the front lines and I think before we're talking, say you're like in the mosh pit, which totally warmed my heart. <laughs> but, you know, we're also, um, we're like we're like a guide. We're like a local who knows the lines, knows the conditions and could give people tips so they can have their best day outside and maximize your effort. So we understand policy, we understand politics, we understand timing. We also understand the community and our job is to like bring these two worlds together 
because the sentiment's there, the desire's there, the values of the communities to protect these places are there. And we've just got some specialized knowledge here and there to, to couple these two, these two universes for good. That's great. It's so great. To, that's a perfect way to put it. And I want to just put a shout out. It's outdooralliance.org forward slash news. If you scroll down, there's a blog post right there that says, what does the Inflation Reduction Act mean for climate, public lands, and outdoor recreation? And there are there's another post that talks about how to get involved. And I believe it guides you to reach out to the representatives in your in your region. Thanks for uh Thanks for sharing that. And it's also, it's a, it's a place to go to see, figure out what's next because we're so not done. <laughs> Thank you for saying reiterate that. that. There's, it's a good first step, but there are other steps that are going to be taking that's going to inform a lot of our work moving forward. I'm really excited to pursue it. So there's a way to follow the news on, on uh, the site here as well. And um, we'll put resources in the show notes so that you could easily subscribe to that and stay on top of it. But thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you on here today. Is there anything that we forgot to touch on that's really important for the audience? Or do you think we did a, a pretty comprehensive job? This is obviously a super detailed piece of legislation. <laughs> um, savor where we are and, and, um, and please come along on the journey ahead there's 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 still so much to do and it's going to be interesting and exciting work and we'll get there i think that's a perfect way to wrap up today and we'll have you on to give us updates in the future as well thank you again so much adam it was wonderful to have you here today thank you very much Kristen. thank you so much for listening to the channel mastery podcast please give us a thumbs up if you like what you hear share it with a colleague or friend And also make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. 